Well, good morning and welcome to Exponential. Uh, again, we're continuing our series called AHA. And along with this series, we've been having life groups that meet uh, each week. And we're only uh, going to be in this third week this week. So if you haven't gotten plugged into one of those life groups, uh, it's still not too late. They meet uh, different times during the week. Some are here at the church building. Others are in different people's homes and whatnot. So uh, stop out that Welcome Center and see if you can get plugged in to a life group. And the reason I mention that is part of this AHA series is the three components of AHA. So it's kind of a, uh, an acronym for uh, an awakening, a sudden awakening. That's the first A. And the second letter, H, is brutal honesty, getting brutally honest. And then the last A is immediate action, immediate action. And, and we believe if, if these three components come together, this awakening, uh, this honesty, and this immediate action, that this AHA moment, it's going to spur in you some significant life change. And I also see that that uh, as we see people in their aha moments, it's when we're actually seeing long-term change as well. So hopefully you're getting plugged into one of those life groups uh, to help you kind of think through what some aha moments might have been in your past and maybe what aha moments God has in store for you in the future. Now, if you've been in one of those life groups, this, this past week we talked about different alarms that go off in our life. And um, how many of you here would say that you're really heavy sleepers, that you'll sleep through pretty much any alarm? Yeah, we got a handful. I am one of those people. I will sleep through uh, at least one hour of alarm without even thinking about it. Uh, I am out. I am out. Okay, so how many now would you say are really light sleepers? So, you know, if you hear the wind blow against the house, you wake up. If your kid blinks in the next room, you wake up. <laughs> you know, uh, my mom's here this morning. She used to be that way when I was a kid. So if there was any thought of us sneaking out of the house, if we so much as, like, Feet hit the floor. I swear she was awake. It was, it was incredible. So that never happened as a result. But uh, <laughs> it worked really well. No, but actually it was really nice as a kid because you know once you ever had to get up for something, mom would be right there like, what do you need? Like, how did you know I was up? <laughs> so some of us are really light sleepers. And of course there's advantages and disadvantages to both, right? So I'm a really, really heavy sleeper. Like I said, I'll sleep through alarms. And so, you know, one option would be to, to pull out, you know, the cell phone to set a second alarm. Now, how many of you have done this before, a second alarm? Uh, and sometimes the second alarms, you get, you know, things like this. You know, this is the most useless alarm ever, ever made. You know, I'm going to be sleeping. I'm going to be out in a boat floating in the ocean in my dream. It's terrible. It's terrible. Or this one, this one here. Can you hear this one okay? Oh, yeah. Now, here I am in Spain in my dream. I'm eating paella and Seville oranges. And then suddenly I find my childhood dog sitting beside me, which is confusing because he's been gone for decades. But it doesn't seem to bother me. But it's not until I'm stuck in my neighbor's backyard while still in Spain that I suddenly wake up. You ever had those kind of weird moments? It's interesting that kind of what wakes us up, we're in a sleep, deep slumber. There's all sorts of different things that wake us up. And, uh, you know, for one, some of us, it might be a moment in the dream that just doesn't make sense, and so we, we just wake up. For others of us, it might be something frightening that happens in the dream. Uh, you know, some of you may have had some terrible, you know, dreams at some point where somebody starts falling or, or somebody even, you know, is close, even dies. That's always a horrible kind of a dream to have. But those things happen. They startle you awake, right? Or maybe, maybe you wake up in your dream because here's your dog in your face panting because he wants to go out in the morning. <laughs> It's like, okay. <laughs> or maybe it's your, your spouse, like me for my wife, finally nudging me. She's heard the uh, snooze button for the last time, and she's just about had it. 
So there's just different things that wake us up. And so this morning, I specifically want to talk about this sudden awakening, those kinds of things that can wake us up. What kinds of things can we look for? How can we structure our lives? And, and those kinds of things that we can have an awakening where we can see uh, those things are going on in our spiritual lives and we see things are going on in our personal lives and our work life. They're leading us down a path. You know, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about the distant country, right? And we've been looking at the story of the prodigal son. And if you remember the story of the prodigal son as we've talked about it, uh, what happened there? Well, the son... Uh, really wanted to do things his way. So he goes to his father. His father's wealthy. His father's providing everything he needs for the son. And the son says to his father, you know what? I'd rather you just be dead. That's, it's not so many words. He pretty much says that. Just give me everything that's mine right now. And he just wants to live his life right now. Everything for the pleasure of right now. We've been talking for that, about that for the past couple weeks. What it means to live for the right now. What it means to want to live our own way. And then we head off to the distant country. A place where God really never had planned for us, you know. God had other great things in store for our lives. We thought we could do it our own way. We knew how to do our life best. And maybe you're in one of those places even this week. And hopefully you've been thinking about those different distant countries that maybe you've been in before, maybe that you're headed to now. And unfortunately, some of us uh, will reach rock bottom before we actually ever wake up. Sometimes our, snoo- our wake-up alarm will keep hitting the snooze button on things that are going on in our lives not wanting to admit to ourselves that, hey, all of these things are warning signs. All of these things are flashing lights going off to wake us up, and yet we just keep going down the same path and down the same path until we've hit rock bottom. And so my real hope this morning is that you won't have to get the rock bottom, that you can hear those alarm clocks right now, have your sudden awakening, and begin to see some life change. So maybe some things in your life feel like a bad dream right now. Maybe it's uh, something has happened at work and, and you feel kind of jaded about what's going on. So maybe you're beginning to think about just slacking off. You know, that's, those are all entry roads into the distant country, right, we've been talking about. Or, or maybe it's uh, in your marriage, like you just keep fighting and fighting and fighting and uh, you just think, you know what, I'm just about ready to be done with this. And so there's all different sorts of areas that we can kind of check out in our lives, go to sleep and not want to hear anything. So let's pick up on the, the story of the prodigal son. We're going to see the, the scripture up here. Uh, hopefully you have a program. You picked one up. The scriptures are in there. Maybe you brought a copy of, of, the, of God's word with you. I encourage you to turn in here to Luke chapter 15 if you did. Uh, also, you can go uh, find an app. There's an app called the Bible app. It's called uh, the U version. I encourage you to download that. It's a great app. You can select like a whole bunch of different uh, translations to download. Find one you really like. And uh, you can follow along on that as well. Uh, So uh, here we are at the prodigal son, and we're going to see what his wake-up moment is because the prodigal son has truly hit rock bottom. It says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his, whoops, I have the wrong one up here. When he realized what he was doing, he thought, all of my father's servants have plenty of food, but I am here almost dying with hunger. I will leave and return to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But let me be like one of your servants. If you remember in the story of the prodigal son, he takes all of his inheritance, like I said earlier, and then he goes off and he just lavishly lives whatever life he cared to live and to the point where he had spent all of his father's inheritance. He is now uh, living out, if you read the few verses before this, he's now living out in fields, he's feeding pigs, and now he's even reached the point where he can't even get enough money to feed himself and so he's now eating the pig's food. 
He's starving. He has hit rock bottom. There's nowhere else for the prodigal son to go at this point. And so the first thing the, the prodigal son does is he realizes where he was. And so that's the first point on your outline. As part of your awakening, it's going to be that you're going to realize where you were. I realize where I was. The prodigal son, it says here, that he suddenly woke up, that, that uh, he realized what he was doing. He came to his senses, some translations say. He woke up. And if you look, what is the first thing that he thought when he came to his senses? All my father's servants have plenty of food. All my servants have plenty of food. He realized, finally, in the midst of going down this path, that what his father had was worthwhile. He remembered what he had. You know, I'd like to look at a parallel story from the Bible this morning, the story of David. And uh, we looked a few weeks ago a little bit at King David's story from the Old Testament about how he was running from Saul. So maybe if you were there a few weeks ago, you kind of remember that story. We're going to jump into David, King David's story a little bit later. And David's kind of now at the peak of his, his kingship here. Uh, he's now bringing uh, lots of different tribes together that, that formed the Jewish people. He's done that pretty successfully. Um, their main enemy, they're called the Philistines. He's now uh, really uh, made some major uh, gains in keeping them out and protecting the borders. And uh, King David is now beginning to really set up the kingdom to have great wealth. Um, there's this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, he's now managed to bring that back to Jerusalem. So King David is now kind of doing some amazing things. And the big thing about Scripture, about David, that it tells us is that he was a man after God's own heart. The reason that David was so successful time and time again is he was really focused on following after God. Until, until one day, and this is where we pick up this story in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 11, verse 2, we're going to pick up. And I want you to, want you to watch David go into the distant country here. And, and I also, as I read this, I want you to think about the different alarms that could be going off for him. What kinds of things would you say, David, wake up, don't you see what's happening here? So here we go. It says, late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. So let's take a pause here in the story. So what kind of alarms might be going off for David right now? Well, first of all, the backstory I did not give you was that David's men currently are off fighting a battle. And typically in that time, the kings often would go to battle with their men. So maybe the first distant kind of thing that David's setting him up, himself up for is the fact that he's still back at the palace having leisure time while his men are off fighting, okay? So that might be cue number one, but that's not, not terrible. But it's not until he's walking around the roof one day and he sees someone. So now he begins looking at some woman who's not his wife. Actually, he had wives. I won't go there. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about polygamy this morning. <laughs> but uh, who wasn't his wife nonetheless, and he begins lusting after her. Okay, this is clue number one. Here's a man after God's own heart. Uh, you know, he would think that he would maybe know not to, to lust after another woman, especially when she's just trying to, to, to take her bath. Strike two, then. He finds out who she is and then finds out that she's somebody's wife. But yet he still calls her to the palace. 
They should be alarm clocks. Like as soon as it's like, you know, that's somebody's wife, you would think the alarm clock would say, well, okay, then that's it. I'm not going to pursue that any longer. But he doesn't. He keeps going. He keeps going. Into the distant country he goes. And then, of course, she gets pregnant. Now, this might also be an alarm clock for them to say, hey, let's just stop this whole thing. Let's get right. Uh, let's make the situation right. But he doesn't. So continue with me now. Here we go. It's going to get worse. So verse 14. Now, before I read this verse, uh, Joab is the commander of his army. He's, he's in charge. the high general of the army, essentially. Okay. So next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, Station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so he will be killed. It gets worse. So now he puts a hit on Bathsheba's husband Uriah. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So instead of uh, fessing up and, and dealing with the things that he had just done, he now makes it worse. Now he's trying to do a cover-up. And so in verse 26, if we skip down there, we see when Uriah's wife, oh, by the way, Uriah was killed. Okay, that's kind of the implication there. So verse 26, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And when the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. And even the alarm clock about uh, you know, Bathsheba in mourning and losing her husband still wasn't alarm enough. And so we see David travel to the distant country, and no alarms yet have clicked in his mind. This is a man after God's own heart. And see, I think it's a good reminder that not a one of us is in a place in our life where we can't suddenly just drift off in the distant country. You know, I think of this, this, um, this little saying that people have where if you put a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out right away. Now, I actually don't know if this whole thing is true or not. It probably isn't. That's my luck. But supposedly, if you put a frog in boiling water, it'll try to get out right away, right? But if you put a frog in just regular temperature water, they're cold-blooded cold amphibians, right? And you just gradually heat up the water. Supposedly, they'll just stay there until they die, or that's what they say. I, I'm not going to try it. Please, don't kill any frogs. Find out. <laughs> I'm sure I could Google it. <laughs> I'm sure some Mythbusters probably did it before. That's disgusting. <laughs> Our frog legs. Anyway... So you see, like sometimes, or actually in many cases, getting into the distant country, and we kind of looked at this in the past few weeks, isn't so much about suddenly we just do something majorly wrong and bad, but it's one small step after the other that gradually gets us into that place. And during that process, at any moment in this, in this process along, we could be hearing alarms going off that would indicate to us that maybe we should turn around and go the other way. So my next point this morning, which I think actually I have the video first. Let's watch this video first, and we're going to catch up with some more characters, and we're going to look at uh, this case where uh, he's remembering where he was before things went wrong. Close your eyes. Hey, I said close your eyes. Damn, they're gorgeous. But roses, I mean, they're awfully expensive. I don't care. We are celebrating. Celebrating what? That your husband just got a job today at Hancock Industries, and it's not on the assembly line. 
<laughs> what kind of job? What kind of job you have to wear a suit and tie to work every day. That kind of job. Oh, Tim, I knew you could do it. Oh, I made it, baby. <laughs> I'm on the ladder. And I am climbing all the way to the roof. <laughs> of Tim, and of course, if you've been uh, in one of the life groups, we've been watching uh, several different characters and their sagas playing out as they end up in the distant country, and this is a bit of a flashback moment for Tim, and Tim, uh, as we, if you've been in the life groups, uh, has recently made some bad decisions where he's decided to set up some bad accounts, and uh, as a result of setting up some fake accounts at work to try to get some quick cash, because this job that he thought he got in this video clip didn't turn out to be what he thought it would be. And as a result, uh, by the end of the last episode we watched, Tim was arrested because of the distant country he had gone to. And you know, when you're being arrested, and you're in the, or even maybe when you're in that place in a distant country where you're just trying to, in the Tim's case, just trying to, to make his ends meet, to get that dream house, to, to do whatever he wants to do for the right now, and all the alarm clocks are going off, he's not necessarily remembering the joy that happened beforehand, but now he's focused on all of that that greed and that pleasure that he wants in front of him. And uh, maybe we'll see Tim turn around this week. Maybe we won't. Uh, if you go to the life groups, we're going to kind of watch these stories pan out. But part of our sudden awakening is going to be remembering where we were. And so as we think about David's story, here David was, like I said, the king who had it all together. The king who was the most successful king at that point in, in all of the Israelites' history. And then he begins to throw it away with one bad decision after the other. The other thing that we do when we have an awakening is we don't just realize where we were, but we can also realize where we are. So here's your, your next one. I realize where I am. I realize where I am. This is, this is the important part of waking up. Now I'm not going to talk too much about analyzing where we are. That's for next week when we talk about brutal honesty. But uh, just a general awareness of where we are is really important. If you go to the story back to the prodigal son, uh, after he realizes that he had a better life at his father's house, he comes to also a realization of his own situation. Here I am uh, dying of hunger. You know, he realized that he had hit rock bottom. There was nowhere else for, to go, for him to go. And for many of us, it's going to be realizing where we are and realizing that it's in that place that we're going to figure out we need to wake up. You know, maybe your boss calls you in and tells you they're downsizing. Maybe that's a, a wake-up call of where you are now. Maybe the bank sends a letter that says foreclosure on it. Maybe the landlord posts an eviction notice on your door. Maybe the tests come back with a diagnosis you didn't want to hear. All of these things are, are places where we don't necessarily want to be. And they're all times and moments to have an alarm. I, I believe that there are four essential ways that we can realize where we are. And the first way I think that we can realize where we are, and this isn't on your notes, but you can jot this down. Now we've got the free form notes. And that is... God's word to us at just the right time. God's word to us at just the right time. Sometimes when we're in a place we don't want to be, it is absolutely remarkable 
how God's word can speak so clearly into a situation when we least expect it. The Bible actually talks uh, of its own self in this way, that it's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. That it, it can pierce through us. It, it can expose all of those things in us. And once again, I'm not going to talk about the honesty part. I'll leave that for next week. That's kind of a cliffhanger. But the more important part I'm trying to get here is God's word is living and active. It might be uh, ancient words, but they're true for today. And so maybe, uh, you know, if you're in the distant country, just give this a crack open. See what God has to say to you, because he might have something very pertinent. I'm sure he does to you and to speak into your life, to give you that alarm clock you need to wake up. And for those of us who maybe aren't, don't sense ourselves kind of in the distant country, then this is good preparation work for us in case we find ourselves slipping there. You know, it's really important to be in this book every single day, to be reading it. And the reason we say that is because these, when you're in God's word, you're going to be hearing alarm clocks on a daily basis. So you won't even get to the distant country because you'll be in God's word. Even more importantly, start memorizing this book. Uh, we have uh, Ryan in a program, my five-year-old son Ryan, in a program called Awana. And the reason we like Awana is because they do a lot of scripture memorization for the kids. Because quite frankly, if you end up in the distant country, if you get down a path in life, guess what you're probably not doing every day? You're probably not reading your Bible. Your prayer life has probably gone to, to garbage. There's a correlation between the two. But so the, the deal is, you've gotten yourself in the distant country, you're probably not cracking this open to read it. And here's where memorization is going to be a real tool for you because suddenly you're just going to be sitting and God's going to bring one of those scriptures back up in your head. And you're going to be like, wait, there's the alarm. So start memorizing this. If you need some help, uh, you know, as to where to start memorizing, you can start with the basics like John 3.16 or whatever. Whatever, just to get, get started. Start memorizing. You can go onto Google, type like 100 verses to memorize. There are like tons of great lists out there of scriptures to memorize. So, so do that. Because that's a tool for you. It's an alarm that you can set that might wake you up when you start going to the distant country. A second way that we would, you know, that was God's word to us at just the right time. So the next way is the example of others before us. The example of others before us. Many of us have seen people's lives fall apart around us, right? We all know someone whose life has maybe gotten trapped by addiction. Maybe they, they had a relationship uh, which just completely fell apart. Maybe it ended up in divorce. Uh, maybe we have uh, uh, friends who have just uh, gone down a wrong path. And we've seen examples uh, of those around us who have maybe taken a bad path. And also because we know them, we know some of those steps that they've taken that have gotten them there. And those examples of how they've, they've gone can be alarm clocks to us. They can be alarms that go off, that wake us up and say, hey, wait a minute, if I'm doing some similar kinds of things, wouldn't that, that might lead me to the same place. And that might be a wake-up call for you. In the same regard, great examples of others might actually be an alarm for us. Like, hey, they have an awesome marriage. They've been married for 45 years now. They're just killing it with their marriage. It's fantastic. What are they doing? And that example can be alarmed to us to say, that, hey, why is my relationship this way now? Maybe I need to talk to someone. Maybe I need to go ask them. What makes your marriage great? Can you help me on my own? And just have the humility to get the help we need. The third way I think that uh, we hear an alarm clock go off in our life is from wise counsel from others. Wise counsel from others. There's another story we've been following as part of the AHA series. Uh, this woman named Claire, 
And Claire decides that she's had enough of, of, being the, the, of living the role of wife and mother and always living for other people. She finally just wants to live for herself for a moment. And so uh, if, you, if you remember in the videos, Claire goes and uh, the first person she seeks out advice from is a, is a friend of hers. And that friend of hers tells her exactly what Claire wants to hear. Oh, honey, just do whatever makes you happy. Just do whatever makes you, you know, there are plenty of people in your life who, because they really don't want to ruffle feathers, they don't actually want to have a difficult conversation with you. They just want to make you feel good. They're just going to go along with it. And that's why it's really important, and I know we've talked about this here at Exponential many times, this is so important, that you have people in your life who can give you truly wise counsel, people you can trust and go to, so that they can speak into your life and help you see alarms that are going off. One of the cool things about life groups is it gets you together with a group of people. Now, maybe the life group you're part of now, maybe it's not your, your favorite group, so maybe you'll shuffle yourself around maybe for some future opportunity. But the nice thing is it puts you in a, in a group of people who are all followers of Christ and who can speak into one another's lives and help each other and so that you can go to the person in your group and say, can you help me because, boy, I have some things going on. Boy, I'm going down a path that I think is going to eat me up and chew me up here soon. These are all things. And the final thing I think that we can realize for an alarm clock is our future consequences. Our actions have consequences, don't they? Sometimes, uh, in spite of how far we've gone in a distant country, we're just going to have to reap the consequences. The Bible says you reap what you sow. And while God is gracious and, and while there's always forgiveness at the foot of the cross, the reality is that some decisions that we make are going to have real consequences right now. For Tim, in the last video, he was arrested. That was a consequence he had to pay. But see, even the future consequences will help wake us up to where we are. So maybe you're in a situation, for the prodigal son, it's the future consequence that, hey, I'm going to starve to death. That future consequence was enough to wake him up. So what are those consequences that you feel pressing in on you that might be your alarm clock this morning to wake you up? As we go back to the story of David, who we watched just kind of fall into complete rock bottom here, we're going to see David have a wake-up call. And so we pick up the story here now, and we're going to be in Second uh, Samuel still. But now we're in chapter 12. And uh, in the Old Testament, uh, prophets had a key um, role, and that is they spoke on behalf of God. Sometimes we, we kind of think that prophets, like, tell the future. That wasn't really the role of the Old Testament prophet. Um, though they did tell some things about the future, their role was to speak for God, uh, to be the voice of God to people, and often they would say, as future consequences, hey, if you keep doing such and such and such and such and such, then things are going to go really bad for you. But if you can turn around, God will be gracious, and so on and so on and so on and so on. So prophets are used very consistently in the Old Testament uh, to wake people up. It's, and so David, uh, luckily, God decides to send uh, Nathan, uh, uh, you know, some of his... He sends to send David some, some of his word to the prophet Nathan. And that's where we're going to pick up the scripture here uh, as Nathan comes to him. It says, in, starting in verse 7, Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. So now David has three things going on here. First of all, he has God's word to him at just the right time. God is using the prophet Nathan to speak to him. 
Okay? Secondly, there's actually a person giving him wise counsel. So there's a wise counsel giving him timely advice. And the third thing that Nathan actually does in this thing, uh, or in this speech to David, is he also tells him about the future consequences. And it's quite bad, because David's going to essentially have uh, his wives stripped away from his life. They're going to be publicly out doing things. Uh, and these are all consequences that David's going to have to pay. He's going to lose the son that Bathsheba gave birth to. He's going to die. Uh, it's going to send David into some really, really uh, harsh mourning. He's really going to take that hard. And so all of these things, Nathan's saying, these are your alarm clocks. Are you going to wake up? And David, hearing Nathan, and here in uh, verse, here we are in verse 13, David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. David had his wake-up call. See, David realized where he was, close to God's heart. He realized, or where he was before this all started. He realized where he was right now, going down a path deeper and deeper and deeper. And finally, he hears the alarm and wakes up. Who is it in your life that can speak into your life? What future consequences are you facing that maybe you need to think, I need to turn around and, and go a different direction? What have you been sensing God telling you when you're, when you're in his word and reading, or maybe through Sunday mornings as we, as we share with you, or through your life groups as you hear the aha stories unfold? What alarm clocks are going up that you need to wake up for? The final thing that happens is that we realize where we could be. So this is your last uh, fill-in-the-blank point here. I realize where I could be. For the prodigal son, he remembers that he could be back home, even as a servant. He realizes that even if he goes back home, and all he can do, and his, son, and his father still disowns owns him, even if there's even a chance that his father will take him back as, as a servant, a bond servant, that he would at least have food to eat, because his, his father's servants had it far better than he had it. And so he realized where he could be. And that's part of your wake-up call. For David, he remembered where he could be. He could be back after God's own heart. And in fact, uh, David penned some really uh, um, amazing words in a psalm. In Psalm 51, uh, as David was reflecting specifically on this whole situation, he says, Take away my sin, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. And then skipping, Create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. Do not send me away from you, or take your Holy Spirit away from me. Give me back the joy of your salvation, and keep me strong by giving me a willing spirit. David realizes where he could be. He could be back with the heart of God, living in the joy of his salvation. Maybe for some of you, joy is a distant memory. And maybe there's some alarms that are going off to say, hey, wait a minute. Wasn't I in a happier place before? 
And I just encourage you to think about those things, to wake up to those things. And then, like I said, next week we're going to be talking about how we can get honest with ourselves to maybe figure out what got us there specifically and what we're going to need to change. But until then, just to wake up and just to recognize all those different areas in our lives where we could be growing closer to God's heart, to realize what we're missing out on, the missing the great life and purposes that God has called us to, to change the world and to help and love people and see lives changed because we're being obedient to what God has for us. So my final question for, for you this morning is this. Where am I and what am I doing there? And that's kind of the summary of all of these points this morning that I want you to think about. I think it's the critical question we can ask ourselves in order to wake up. Where am I? I just want you to take a moment to actually think about that seriously. Where am I? Are you in a place in your life where you're satisfied? Are you close to God? What about your relationships with your spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or your kids, your parents? Maybe it's your job situation. Where am I? And then what am I doing there? Because especially if you're unsatisfied with where that is. And then as I, this week, I, I hope, especially as you get into your life groups, that you begin thinking about what kinds of little wake-up calls you can open yourself up to hearing. What kind of alarms are going off? Because as you begin to think about these things, I think you're going to be in a good place next week as we begin to talk about what it means to be brutally honest with ourselves. To really dig into what's going on and so that we can really live the life that God has called us to lead. I don't think that we all have to reach rock bottom to wake up. And maybe you have reached rock bottom and, and maybe this is your, like on your last, your last leg here and you're like, yeah, yeah, I definitely have hit rock bottom. I'm hearing the alarm clocks. I need to wake up. But for many of us, it's just those small things that we keep doing. That frog in that water that keeps heating up and heating up. You keep making yourself more and more distant, more and more distant from God, more and more distant from your spouse, more and more distant uh, from doing the right things at work, more and more distant. You keep just fading off in a distant country, and it's time to wake up. Where are you, and what are you doing there? distant country always begins with the small stuff. But God is calling us to great things when we wake up to his plan he has for us. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we just give you thanks for your love for us. That you love us so much that, that you gave us your word, your timeless word, written in the, in the scriptures, so that we could hear from you anytime we, we need to, just to open up your words. Maybe some of us are in a distant place spiritually where we're just not hearing from you at all. Maybe we're in such a distant place where we're just not hearing what you're calling us to do and calling us to go. And help us realize, like the prodigal son, that we can wake up, that we can come back to the Father. And what we didn't look at this morning in, in the actual message itself, but what we can quickly look at as soon as we read the story of the prodigal son, is that when the prodigal did go home, he didn't go home and he didn't have to work as a servant. He came back and was a son again. And help us to know that regardless of where we are in our lives, 
that we can come home to you and find mercy and forgiveness. For David, he kept going down that path and it said, that displeased you. But yet when David came back after and woke up to what he was doing and he confessed his sin, he was forgiven. And while he still had consequences to pay for what he had done on earth, with you, his relationship was restored once again. I pray for anybody here this morning who is maybe facing some tough consequences. I pray for anybody here who is maybe hearing those alarm clocks going off right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be powerfully working in hearts to wake us up, to make us realize where we were, where we are now, and where we could be when we wake up and follow after you and follow after what, and then being obedient to your word, really. So Jesus, this is all about you. Help us as a church, as a whole, to start living for you because we're going to see Harrisburg changed we're going to see the kingdom come and we're following after you and we're, we're staying away from the distant country. And then even, uh, even more amazing yet is when we're actually out of the distant country and we're following after you, we can actually help pull people out of the distant country as well. A mission that we're called to, to love on others who are far from you so we can help them take next steps and come out of the distant country and wake up and come alive in you. And so, Father God, use us as a church to help others who are also in that distant country. Help us to have those aha moments that we need to have so we can become close to you because you have given it all for us. And we're just thankful in Jesus' name. Amen.